Welcome to ProctorCast, where we bring you plain English interviews all about the most relevant procurement topics of the day in short, coffee break-sized episodes. Because hey, time's precious and you have got value to deliver. So now let's get straight into this week's show. Yes, hello and greetings. I am your host, James Meads, and you're on another episode of ProctorCast. We have had a little bit of a summer break here at ProctorCast and at ProctorPus, where we had a little bit of a regroup and a rethink about how we wanted to do things going forward. And what we decided is that we're going to move the original podcast content to to monthly so as we can really drill down and and put out some high quality episodes and then also once a month we will we will take the monthly proc live session which is currently live streamed on linkedin and we're going to take that and also package that into a podcast episode as well and that way if maybe you can't watch proc live on linkedin but you still want to get the conversations that we have then you can listen to that as a pro- as a podcast format as well so we will still be publishing every two weeks the only difference is is that one episode will be an original podcast and the other one uh, will be the Proc Live episode, which will be repackaged and edited into a podcast format. So what have we got planned for you? Well, pretty much the same in terms of wanting to speak to genuine, relevant procurement practitioners, keeping our content a little bit less corporate than some of the other podcasts out there, and really just trying to serve a particular value point or pain point or challenge in procurement and someone that's maybe come out of the other end or has a specific solution uh, pertaining to that particular topic. And on today's show, we're going to be having a discussion all about a very, very common procurement problem, and that is bad data or dirty data. And who else could I bring onto the show to talk about data? None other than the classification guru herself, Miss Susan Walsh. Susan, welcome to ProctorCast. How the devil are you? Hi, nice to see you or hear you. Uh, great to be here. I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. After a, after a summer break, it's uh, it's good to be back with refreshed energy, isn't it? Um, oh, that's good. So, was a summer break. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about data today, obviously. Um, yes. The biggest challenge with this, right, is that if you're selling data classification as a service, which is essentially what you do, where do you find the biggest challenges? So if you're going into a procurement organization, walk me through typically what that journey is and where typically you tend to get resistance or or apathy. Yeah. Uh, So very fortunate that a lot of people know me on LinkedIn and know what I do. So by the time that they approach me, they already have a problem that they need solving. And um, I will talk through, uh, find out more about what their problem is, and then I'll offer some solutions and I'll put a proposal together. They have got buy-in. They are like ready to work with me. Uh, the problem tends to lie further up the business where the, the budget decisions are made and the the people making those decisions can't see the value in it 
and I'm often talking about procurement, uh, sorry, not procurement, but spend data and spend data quality is, is an investment, not a cost. And, and I'm working really hard to try and change that perception so that people do think about it as an investment. Because what we hear time and time again in all the, the Deloitte CPO surveys is data's a problem, data's a priority, we've got to fix it. And, and I think there's a, a, a naive assumption that they can just buy some software and that will do everything. And I'm trying to change that, that um, attitude and say, look, yes, software can help you, but you have to get that manually cleaned and, and correct before you start with the software. And it has to be done by someone who knows the data. So uh, that's, that's the biggest challenge. And you're right, there's a lot more awareness now, isn't there, in terms of you need to have good data to be able to have as have a successful digital procurement transformation or even a successful procurement team. So I think there mm. there is that awareness there now that perhaps there wasn't or that maybe just people were blind to it going back two, three, five years. Yeah, but, I think that sorry. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say so there is there is more incentive that they know that they can actually do something now with clean data but but yet you're still getting that sort of ceiling where you're not able to break beyond in terms of the budget holders so is it is it a case of then procurement at the coal face get it but a cfo or a cpo maybe doesn't see it as an investment completely um it's very hard to measure a lot of it's intangible uh, and actually i think there's a, a perception that that cleaning data is a a menial task that anybody can do and i think that's that's where a lot of the problems lie in that it it's not you need skilled people who know what they're doing um you know we hear all the time about data scientists spending 80 percent of their time clean, cleaning data that's not a myth that happens and you know, yes, they're they're probably overqualified to be cleaning data, but that doesn't mean you can just give it to somebody sitting in the corner. You, you need knowledge of the area that you're working in, knowledge of the data, um, some efficient processes. And, you know, that's where I try and help some of my clients actually, you know, take that process in-house once I've done the work for them. Because, you know, I really do believe that as an organization, you should own and manage your own data and know exactly what's going on with it. You can't do that if you're outsourcing it to a third party. And and I guess you're right that to, in theory, anyone can classify data in that they can look at a spreadsheet and try to clean it, but they're not necessarily going to do it well, are they? And then if you if you've only got a job half done, then you've paid someone to do a job and your data is still not clean. It's better to surely get it right first time. Yeah, and also, again, the whole perception thing. So, you know, companies are happy to spend literally millions of pounds on some new software and implementation, but not, say, 50 to 100K to get the data in, in the right order before it goes in, even though that will save hundreds, possibly hundreds of thousands of pounds, dollars, euros after software implementation when suddenly all these problems arise. Would you say that we're now sort of at the tip of the iceberg? Because I say that really with with my sort of procurement tech expert hat on that there are so many new software companies coming to market that now that it makes you think, 
you know, how are all of these going to get enough business to survive? But then when you speak to them, they all, they all pretty much say the same thing, that they don't really see themselves as competing against one another. They're, they're competing against Microsoft Excel and SharePoint. Is it, is it similar in the data space that, you know, there's so much business to go after that even if only 10% of the marketplace gets it, you're going to have a successful business for years and years and years? Yeah, um, and also, you know, yes, there are lots of people, uh, other suppliers out there doing something similar to what I do, but there's very few people that I would consider in doing it. Well, I don't think there's anyone doing exactly what I do because I'm very open about the fact that I'm probably 80% manual and 20% automation. And normally, well, a lot of businesses would have you believe it's the other way around. Yeah. A lot of... Yeah, a lot of companies um, are told that, you know, oh, the AI classifies the data. Um, and I would say to anyone listening, you know, if you've been told that by a third party supplier, um, ask them what percentage is being classified by the AI. Because I think there's a natural assumption that it's 100%, but actually the reality is it's probably less than 50. Yeah, and I, I was going to ask you that actually. And, and, and I think you're right, certainly the ones that I've spoken to have been fairly open with me and, t- and, and have said, you know, it's, uh, it isn't a hundred percent. If you're saying now that it's maybe 40 to 50 on average, as, as AI gets better, what do you think the the ceiling is going to be? You know, will, will we get to 70, 80, 95? What, what do you think is the best case scenario? So I think it depends. So if you're building AI for your specific business, and it's your data only, you have got a much higher chance of having some really successful AI and automation within your business. If you expand it out to industry-wide, then I think you still have a really good chance of, of getting some really good AI. But if you try to sell a product that is supposed to be for everything for everybody, it's just not going to work. You're, you're never going to get close to, to being um, that accurate. That's a really interesting differentiation, actually. So what you're saying is then that if if a big corporation develops their own software or engages a third party to develop their own software to use AI to classify their specific data, they've got a lot better chance to getting closer to 100 than, than, a, than a third party software out there that essentially sells their services to everyone. Yeah, and, and another thing I'll, I'll tell you is that pretty much 95% of my clients um, have me build them a customized taxonomy to suit the needs of their business. Yeah. So we're moving away from the UNSPSC. So a lot of these automation tools use the UNSPSC to, to classify and you lose detail when you do that so you might have the, the the best taxonomy for your business but if suddenly you have to map it to the UNSPSC you're going to lose that granularity that specificity um and it's gonna it's gonna be a an okay at best classification not necessarily what you really need for your business UNSPSC is a really interesting point actually because one one thing that UNSPSC from what I from what I can gather doesn't do particularly well is is classification of services and and if mm. we're going down this route 
of becoming more of a service-based economy and you know a lot of a lot of big firms now that are starting to invest in procurement and especially getting their head around data as services businesses to what extent is UNSPSC rendered completely useless in a service business versus a more traditional manufacturing organization oh you only need to go and look at the marketing sales and marketing section there's nothing for digital marketing uh you know it's very hard to fit things like you know your facebook your instagrams in there um yeah it's and 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 the other thing you know when i build taxonomies that and, and do training on it i always say you know that your taxonomy has to be chart friendly so you know, you want IT as your level one or HR or facilities or professional services. You don't want what the UNSPSC has, which is information technology services and do, 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 do. That would fit on a chart. That will be bigger than the chart. So it, it, it really doesn't kind of work with modern analytics uh, and, and what we're doing now with classification. So yeah, you've pretty much answered the question, I think, conclusively. <laughs> um, the last thing that I wanted to ask, Susan, is what do you think the future procurement organization will look like in a more in a more data-driven world? I mean, if when we and I guess I'm approaching this question from the context of okay, Google is a search company, you know, Tinder is a dating app, Amazon is an e-commerce store, but at their core, they're data companies. So yeah. if we if we take that supposition and say, okay, procurement need to become a data-driven function rather than a cost reduction function, what do you see the architecture of a procurement department looking like in terms, apart from the obvious of, you know, more transactional roles will become automated, and I think that's generally accepted, but in terms of skill set or job titles, what, what do you think we will start to see more of as, as time goes on? I think at the moment, a lot of procurement people are are overburdened and they don't have the time to spend on certain areas as much as they would like because they've got a million other things to do. So if we can automate some of that process, that will free them up to to be more strategic, to to find more cost savings, to to make better decisions for the business and, and actually really get to know the business a lot better. But all of that starts with the data and actually taking data cleansing, data input seriously um, and, and making sure that, you know, it's, it's, it's not just a procurement thing. So it's a finance thing too. Who's inputting the invoices? Who's making sure the descriptions are correct? You know, who's putting the supplier name in and making sure that it's properly, you know, um, marked and it's not, creating a new version of yet the same supplier within their system so it's a collaborative effort i think i think we need to get away from the kind of silo of just procurement so so the answer then i guess if i paraphrase that is you're going to see procurement become a lot more cross-functional than than maybe they are now and and some of the roles that may have traditionally sat in other departments may may report in some way be it you know direct or in a matrix solution uh up, up to the cpo absolutely i mean we're seeing roles like procurement analysts coming in now you know they would have sat in it you know never in procurement yeah or in finance yeah 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 so, so it's starting, 
Um, but, you know, it takes time. It takes a kind of culture change, mindset change, uh, and open-mindedness as well to, to new possibilities. I think that especially is when you look at when you look at businesses that are part of like the new economy, you know, like like the Googles or the Amazons, and you compare those with, with with some of these big corporations that are more sort of traditional manufacturing businesses, you know, the, the consumer goods or food food and beverage, automotive. There's a lot more innovation and openness to change in 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 the in the new in the newer businesses, aren't there? And I think that will. I mean, I think that's tantamount to the fact that they've been so successful in in how they've built the future, you know, over the past years. But if yeah. if those more traditional businesses want to catch up, what do you do? You, do you think they will have to adopt some of the practices from from the tech sector, or, or sort of recruit the best people from there to to make sure that they don't lose relevance? That's an aspect, but I, I think the biggest challenge is becoming more agile. Yeah. So we were just talking before recording started around when I meet a new client and uh, do a discovery call and then do a proposal for them. The process can take months and months and months. Yeah. And And it probably doesn't need to. Yeah. And you hear all these stories as well, don't you? I mean, it's a completely different topic, but job seekers going in for third and fourth interviews oh it's like, yeah that's ridiculous for, for crying out loud if you know if, if you think someone's good then okay maybe interview them for a second time so as they can meet with your boss or whatever but you don't need more than two or three interviews no that that's just a tick box exercise and i think if we can automate um you know supplier onboarding and the, the, some of the processes pre-onboarding as well then you know uh, there's a whole part around you know the automation of rfps rfqs as well i think if, if they can speed that up and also respond um faster to the needs of the market i mean look at the whole ppe thing um you know there were a lot of procurement departments who just were not ready for that yeah and part of it is process isn't it and having to follow yeah. a rigid process and ag- agility and managing agility together with compliance i mean i said that before and we had david kershaw on on proctorcast oh yeah back in no david yeah back in april i think it was or may and we had a great conversation around agility as well because especially in public sector it's just it's so hard to be able to flex your process well i now see the results of that in p card uh, transactions so you know for the whole of 2020 suddenly there's things like desks, chairs, monitors, uh, gloves, masks showing on the P-card spend, you know, that never would have been there before because that was the quickest way to get what they needed. Right. Instead of going through the purchase order process. Yeah. 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 So data, it's the future. Data is the new gold or the new oil. It's not. (laughs) It's more than that. It's It's the lifeblood of everything now, you know. It, it's there for every, every decision that we make now is based on some kind of data, whether it's checking the weather or, um, you know, checking our messages on our phone or looking at train times. It's all, that's all data. It is indeed. So if anyone would like to learn more about data classification and how, 
a manual approach is perhaps better than relying on a on, a, on an analytics program that that leverages AI to the large extent. Um, where's the best place that people can get hold of you to have a conversation around why you think that adds more value? You can contact me or find me on LinkedIn. I'm Susan Walsh, the classification guru. Um, there's also my website, theclassificationguru.com. I also have a YouTube channel if you want to see some how-to videos, some explainers. Um, and and you're not you're not singing or lip syncing on your YouTube videos. I am. You are. The lip syncs. There's a whole uh, playlist of lip syncs <laughs> there. That, that's a whole other thing. Um, yeah, and then you know you're always welcome to email me, Susan at theclassificationguru.com as well. And we will link to that in the show notes. Susan, it's been a pleasure. Great to catch up with you. Thank you. You've also got a book coming out. So what's it called, Thank and when you. can people get hold of it? I think you're going to love it. So it's called Between the Spreadsheets, Classifying <laughs> and Fixing Dirty Data. And basically, it's it's an, on the Waterstones website, WH Smith's in the UK. You can find it on Amazon worldwide and um, Barnes and Noble in the US, the American Library Association. I mean, bookshop.org. I mean, it's everywhere. I am going to just be everywhere world domination and, and yeah and this book is is literally you know not everybody has the budget to to get someone in like myself so you know pick up this book read it and you'll start to be able to make some of those changes yourself you know so so yeah that's that's why i'm really doing it to to empower people to to be able to do it themselves as well it's what everyone says writing a book doesn't doesn't usually get you rich so <laughs> yeah yeah it's true but but it's it's a great kind of business card and you know yes i'm sharing my knowledge and it's very valuable but you know i still know i can do it better than you so you're more than welcome to call me if you get stuck that's it isn't it susan thanks again <laughs> take care look after yourself success with your book launch and speak to you soon thanks a lot so there you have it. Data is more important than gold. That's Susan's words. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to subscribe, then you know where to go. Just go to your favorite podcast player and hit the follow or the subscribe button there. We have a LinkedIn page as well over at Proctopus on LinkedIn. We're also developing uh, an app for our members so as they can also take the conversation into a more group style format uh, away from the LinkedIn space as well. So watch out for that. We're hopefully going to bring that pretty soon too. Until next month, wishing you a very pleasant rest of your day and week. Go out there, be successful, drive value and speak to you soon. Bye for now.